Shop the biggest health and beauty brands in-store or online at the lowest prices every day at Chemist Warehouse. Looking through red and black lenses, it's In the Red with Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball on SENZ. Yeah, this is IC in the red, I should say, not IC red, uh, with uh, Ricardo and Justin Marshall as well. Ricardo Ball, Justin Marshall on in the red. Justin Marshall, join us momentarily. Uh, just having some some phone issues with Marshy, but if you haven't caught up with the weekend, uh, then uh, here's here's what happened uh, for you, because. It was certainly an interesting weekend. The Blues, in a tight game at North Harbour Stadium, well, what everyone thought was going to be a tight game, ended up running away with it over the Highlanders, 32-20. to The Brumbies, as expected, put the Rebels away, 36-17 in Melbourne. Uh, Hurricanes and Moana Pacifica uh, have been, uh, well, has been postponed, or was postponed, I should say. Now, then the Chiefs went to Christchurch, and they upset the Crusaders uh, 24-21 after being down 21-10 with about 30 to go. It was really uh, a dominant performance by the Chiefs in the second half. And, uh, you know, the Crusaders, you got their much-vaunted defence was on show. They kept tackling and tackling and tackling. But uh, in the end, they could not keep the Chiefs out. And Justin Marshall's with me now. And, uh, Marshy, uh, we talked about it, out, about it a little bit yesterday, but... Man, that uh, that was a hell of a performance by both teams uh, defensively from the Crusaders. You you got to applaud them. I mean, a lot of teams would have wilted under that a lot sooner than they did. Oh, absolutely. And and uh, good evening to everybody. Thanks for joining us for uh, in the red this evening. Um, look, what a belter of a contest, really. First and foremost. I think we might have uh, Justin's just dropped off again there. By the sounds of things, we want to have lost audio somehow. Um, so, um, yeah, he is talking, but he can't hear that he can't that we can't hear him. So we'll, let's just keep going uh, until we get him back. Uh, the Reds got up over the Drew of 33-28 as well. The Drew are very much a, a team that have come to the party and are ready to play. And uh, they, of course, have already beaten the Rebels. Uh, they've now given the Reds a bit of a scare as well. And I, I dare say this weekend against the Force, I'll be aiming for another uh, W. Then on Sunday, the late match, 22-17, to the Waratahs got up over the force and all of that means that the uh the the table uh well is dominated by two Australian teams at the moment that's that's kind of how it looks because it's the Reds and the uh, Brumbies at the top of the Super Rugby table which is something that uh, we're not used to seeing uh but Marshy sorry you you were saying about the defense of the Crusaders yeah I was about the areas they were defending was was really um under the pump style defending because the mountain of possession and, and inside the 22 that the Chiefs had, uh, you know, statistically they got nearly near 12 minutes of time inside the 22. And for the Crusaders to be defending in that zone and still be tackling at a, an efficiency rate of 90% uh, for 244 tackles is quite phenomenal. So what it shows you is how excellent both sides were. The Crusaders... Uh, defending equally, it takes so much to piece together that amount of time, that, that amount of uh, possession inside the 22, and not turn it over when, when a team when you when a team is defending so well. So it's not just a matter of saying, for example, I don't know how many times they got over 15 rucks inside the 22, but within those 15 rucks, there's always a chance that a player will spill the ball or 
get his timing wrong or somebody will miss a clean out and the ball will get turned over. And, you know, it goes to show the quality that both sides were delivering uh, in that final quarter as the game was really in the balance. It was a game that, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd I like to avoid cliches where I can, mate, but a game of two halves, I think, covers it, wasn't it? I mean, I know that the uh, the Crusaders weren't up by as many as they, they probably wanted at half time, but they really dominated the last 20 of that first half. And I, I dare say that when they got in the uh, the dressing room, uh, Scott Robertson would have been like, how are we not up by maybe another 10? Yeah, because equally... You know, the, the Chiefs, when they needed to, they fronted on, on defence as well. Uh, and it took a little bit of magic for the Crusaders to finally open them up, an innovation at set piece where you know, Richie Moonga bounced down the blind side. Um, really unusual play because there's just so much traffic there, but it really did catch the Chiefs unaware and speculative kick ahead was well chased. And, and that, that, that was a try that, you know, they, they got reasonably comfortably through some innovation, but for the rest of the half, they made some line breaks. Like, Enor made a good break, and they couldn't finish that off um, because there was just really good scrambling defence. I remember Solakula getting back at one stage just to making a desperate tackle. So as much as we can compliment, I guess, the Crusaders on their defence, equally the Chiefs, when they needed to scramble, when they were under the pump from the Crusaders, because let's face it, when you've got a back three of Will Jordan, Lester Fang, and, uh, and Severo Reese, you know, that's, that's three... Well playing a look who's not quite there yet but you know two all blacks and one that's not far off uh, and they were hardly mentioned and and you know they got shut down really well by the chiefs defense and they weren't able to function like uh, will jordan just has to turn up and he's scoring tries at the moment and then he had a really tough day of not being able to get into the game so they did their homework as well the chiefs they really found a way to not let the crusaders get into their rhythm and get those really dangerous players into the game. Well, on Leicester Fionnuku, I mean, we've seen him used in midfield, we've seen him used on the wing. Where do you think his best position is? I think his best position is centre. Uh, like I really like him as a an offloading centre, the way that he plays the game. He's obviously got speed as well, so he's got a good outside break, um, but he's also got the ability to stand in the tackle, and when you've got a player that can stand in the tackle like that, wingers can run off him, uh, fullbacks can run off him, and also when he when he's running in that regard, that two defenders looking to get through, a la Sonny Bill Williams style, um, it commands the attention of defenders. You know, one defender can't shut that type of quality down, so that shortens the line. Um, you know, what he's relying on, I guess, uh, on the wing is, is getting some space provided by others, whereas I think he's a he, he's a provider of space for others. So, yeah, look, it's a pretty hard backline. You're pretty you feel very happy, I think, when you hear your name read out and, and what jersey it's going to be, and probably you'd be feeling quite relieved, you know, when you when you look at the players that they've got in the wings. You know, George Bridge coming off the bench at All Black. Uh, you've got Jack Goodhue um, to come back, I think, in a couple of weeks, uh, finding space for the other ones as well. Um, I think he's just probably having to play where it's best suited to their game plan at the moment, but I like him at centre. And, and Braden Enor can play on the wing. Yeah, lots of, definitely lots of options. And that's just the Crusaders before we look wider, you know, ahead to the All Black season uh, looming as well. Because, I mean, you've got, you know, Rico Ioane clamouring to be play 13 and, you know, guys like uh, Anton Leonard-Brown and, and that running around as yeah. well. We've got plenty of options there, Justin. Yeah, we have. And it's just a matter of how they... 
balance those options out and get the right combo. Uh, you know, we, when you think back to really successful All Black teams, you know, those, those 2011-2015 Rugby World Cups had Ma'anonu and uh, Conrad Smith, and you know, Sonny Bill was slotted in there uh, sporadically, um, but. But, you know, the, the good centre combinations are, you know, traditionally uh, what, what we really thrive on. And we've been all over the shop with our with our backline selections and particularly moving players around. You know, with David Harvey, they've tried there. They've tried Anton Leonard-Brown at 12. Um, you know, they've, they've given Rico an opportunity there. Uh, Quintu Pai is obviously um, a real prospect for the future. Um, you know, even Julian Savia is playing there for the Hurricanes. So... You know, it's a matter of the All Blacks sort of settling on what style they want to play. Um, you know, I was really bemused as to... I think the Crusaders probably started it, but that was through necessity of playing Jack Goodhue at 12. Mm. He, he was he had this outstanding couple of seasons as a centre, made the All Blacks, and then they, they, they played him at 12, and then the All Blacks played him at 12, and all of a sudden, he's a second five and not a centre, and... He's really restricted there in traffic. He doesn't get the true quality of his skills on display um, recognised because there's just there's just more traffic and and that there that, to utilise his skill set. So I don't know why in the hell that happened. Um, where he <laughs> had, to, had to all of a sudden become a twelve. Well, I blame Brad Moore. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I guess that's one one consistency in, in the equation, isn't it? Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, because that's the other thing is that Braden Enor, I mean, started off as a winger, but now we kind of think of him more of a centre. Absolutely, yeah. And like I said, what we've, what we've got to get to is a point where we're playing players where their best qualities are exploited. And if we can do that, then I think in, in all forms of the game, not just the All Blacks, but in Super... The team's got to benefit from that, you know. Like I think Jordy Barrett again is a classic example. I've said this before, you know. His preferred position is fullback, and that's what comes out of his mouth when you ask him. Uh, not the right wing, not in the centres, and now he's turned into the premier fullback in the uh, in the country along with Will Jordan, and that's simply because he's just had a chance to play the position he likes, he wants to play, and um, and now he's playing the best rugby because of that. And I think you know we've got to look at that. Why make players adapt? And make them a worse rugby player. Yeah, no, it's a fair call, man. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting call. But uh, you know, you look at it, and now uh, you think all of a sudden the Crusaders have got three thirteens on their books who, who, who could all be All Blacks potentially. You know. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and, and it's been there across the park, hasn't it? Where I think in recent years with the its first five conundrum with Bowden Barrett and Dan Carter, and you now Bowden Barrett and Richard Moira, and now you know some of them can play fullback and some of them can play on the wing, and it's all over the shop. I think uh, what we've got to do is just get a little bit ruthless with our selections and go, you know, put a stake in the ground. You know, I see you as a 15, I see you as a, a 13, and you showed me that form, and I'm going to pick you there. I'm not going to manipulate manipulate my backline around just to get you on the field. I think that's a direction we need to go in. Yeah, no, we've seen it before uh, hobble the All Blacks in past years where they've tried to play too many uh, round pegs and square holes and it has bitten us uh, in the backside. So hopefully those lessons have been learned. This is In the Red on SENZ, talking Crusaders 11 past 7. Marshy's old outside back team, or inside back teammate, I should say, is old first five, the man that used to play outside of Andrew Mertens, joins us out of Sydney next. Shop the biggest health and beauty brands in store or online at the lowest prices every day at Chemist Warehouse. In the Red. 
Sid, talking Crusaders rugby with Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball on SENZ. Yeah, it's a quarter past seven here on In the Red, and uh, we head to Sydney now, Marshy, because your old mate Mertz joins us. G'day, Andrew Mertens, how are you? Hello, guys. Nice to chat to you. Yeah, good to chat to you, mate. Thanks for making time. I know you're probably in, in between some uh, high-wheeling deal and a and a frosty one at this time of the day in Sydney, so uh, appreciate your time, mate. <laughs> I wish. I've been trying to keep dry over here for the last six weeks, as you've probably seen. Yeah, well, that'd be, that'd be the first time in a long time I'm picking. You come to Sydney, they said. The weather's got to be better than Christchurch, they said. <laughs> no chance. Mate, yeah, anyway, can... the, the, the rugby's gone on. You probably saw, obviously, that... Uh, uh, on Saturday night, there was a, quite a contrast between you know a couple of weeks ago at Suncorp Stadium when it was underwater by about a foot. Um, so the fact that they're even playing on ground like that is quite incredible. Yeah, yeah, it is. The ground staff need to be applauded for that, mate. Um, what did you make of uh, your, your old uh, your old team, the Crusaders, uh, getting nipped in the bud by the uh, the Chiefs at home for the first time in a long time? Well, I've got to tell you, I'm not proud of it, but it's the Chiefs Chiefs victory, and only because. They have been, you know, a bit of a nemesis team. Like Marshy, as you remember, Hurricanes used to be ours back in the day, and it really just seems like the Chiefs at the moment can uh, can hit redial at times on the Crusaders, and somehow managed to get through with the win. And um, you know, Crusaders started off with a hiss and a roar. Fantastic watching that first half, and, and I did think it was just going to be business as usual. But Chiefs just stuck in there, stayed close enough, and and then of course struck pretty quickly at the end. So. Just fantastic footy, you know. Clearly, I'd love to see the uh, the Crusaders win every game, but I think it's good for the competition for these sort of results. So one of the one of the three unbeaten teams has been taken down, and now we await Brumbies uh, and, and Reds. I think uh, they need to be tripped up over here. Thanks, Marshy. Here, hey, thanks for joining us. We actually spoke to Matt Burke yesterday on the radio. He said he'd been to a long lunch with you, and he's still suffering the effects. So he must have put into the sword. I tell you what, he put the long at lunch on that occasion. That was uh, that was pretty grueling. Someone had the mistake to ask him about a couple of his uh, his favourite goal picks of all time. He blow by blow. Have you ever asked him about his goal? Sure, you have. Ask him about his goal. You get all eighty-five shots one after the other and come out to order. So, <laughs> I, mean, I reckon we could have done it out of there in about forty-five minutes. That's coming from someone like me. <laughs> Hey, look, um, I wanted to ask you about something tactically that the Crusaders are doing that I noticed on the weekend, and it's pretty hard to pick up probably on TV, but it's something that you experienced as well. So, Richie Moonga, when the Crusaders are defending, they're having him um, defending from the wing. Um, do you think that's good for a, for a team to be doing that? You know, um, I know why they're doing it, obviously, because they probably want him then to be up to backtrack and, and launch that counter-attack being a, a second receiver, but I just I, I just wonder, does it upset your rhythm? Because I know that you went through that yourself. Yeah, mate, I, I preferred not to. I mean, as we know, I wasn't a wonderful defender, but um, it didn't mean I wanted to avoid it. I don't think Richie Moore wants to avoid it. I don't think any team wants to. Um, I, I think it's just a matter of physics and, and you know, realising that as a channel that, that every team does attack. It's the kind of the easiest yards to make, close to the scrum particularly. So, you know, it's just saying, look, we're going to stack it with a with an even bigger, stronger tackle. Mong is brave, makes good tackles. Um, do you want to get hit by Richie Moonga or by Tom Christie, you know? So um, that's, mm. that's obviously the rationale behind it. I'd prefer not to because... I think the other part of the other role for, for a team who's, who's played that position all their life is the organisation factor. You know, you do feel a little bit out of it. It's very hard to pick your time 
as to when you get back in the defensive line. And, and part of that organisation and, and communication is the role that the 10 does play. Um, but in saying that, I mean, they, they train it pretty hard out. And so, you know, you'd hope that, that they don't lack much in organisation when the, the 10's taken out. But, you know, a lot of teams are doing it as well. And in fact, sometimes you see the 10s defending in the hooker position in the line-out mm. in that five-metre channel, you know, which... Gee, I think I'd rather be standing out uh, in the normal position for a team getting, <laughs> getting blokes running at you harder than getting a hooker run at you from the front of the line-out. Yeah, good point. No, they, 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 I see they do use that a bit in Australia. Well, let's. what what have you made of the Crusaders so far this season? Like, let, Let's face it. So the, the Hurricanes game and the Chiefs game at the weekend, they were absolutely dominated territory and position-wise. So they lost those stats. Um, obviously, they... Um, they won the Hurricanes game, but uh, you know they lost the game at the weekend. But they one point in arrears of uh, ahead of the Highlanders in the match there in the 69th minute. Have they found their mojo yet? What are they looking no. a little vulnerable, or do you just think they are going to go another gear now that they've suffered the loss? You'll know obviously from seeing them closer, Marshy, a lot better than I will. Um, I don't think they've lost their mojo. I don't do I think they're straps or sort of trying to fire on all cylinders at the moment or any other sort of cliche you want to imagine. Uh, I don't think they are. And I think the Brumbies are something similar over here as well, where, you know, they know it's a longer competition, a longer competition than we've had for the last two years. You know, so I think there is a little bit of, um, you know, let's not give all our game away just yet. There's a, there's a long way to go. Um, in saying that, yeah, you're right, the, the, the Crusaders, one of the hallmarks of the game that traditionally has been miserly with, with giving up possession, hasn't it? It's been dominating that possession and, you know, 55 sort of towards 60% of possession. And particularly, they've got the firepower that all these, these North Island teams have, all in the Islanders, of course. You've got the firepower like that, and, and, you know, Crusaders are a bit more about structure, not completely. You know, they, they balance it pretty well, but the firepower that the the other teams have got, you know, if you're giving up more than 50%, it's kind of inviting problems a little bit. So I think maybe just holding on to the ball, but, they, you know, they've, they've looked really good in parts. Yeah, they look slick in that very first um, first game where, you know, they just dominated the, the, the first 20 minutes and, you know, just didn't get over the line. I think they have, that's the other issue with the Crusaders or the other thing that is a little bit uncharacteristic is they with the position they have had and the phases they get through and have a million bucks, but without getting over the chalk maybe as many times as we might have expected. So that's probably the two things they'd like to improve on, holding on to position a little bit more and scoring more points um, when they do have their opportunities. But, gee, they look so good at times. It's like they're on the brink of it at any moment, and we know they can score points quickly. So, I mean, I'm not too worried, I don't think. Razor will be too worried. I don't think old Crusaders like yourself, Marsh, will be too worried. We know that they're there for the long haul and uh, they'll be ironing out things and they're pretty pretty quick to sort out any issues as well. Hey, Mert, um, obviously we saw Richie Morgan start the game for the first time this season on the weekend. Before that, Fergus Burke was uh, was getting the nod. Uh, what do you make of his development from uh, Canterbury NPC through to sort of super level? I think he's going well, actually. I think, um, you know, he's obviously a very, very different person and personality from Richie Maulner. So, you know, we don't want to have expectations of him to be another Maulner. He's got to bring his own game. But I think he's just going about his business really well. Just a tidy player. Kind of a, a bit more in the Brett Cameron mould, but I think he's got a lot more more potential. I think he's developing um, a, a lot better. Um, 
And, yeah, like I say, just the confidence and sitting in there and, and having to boss guys around who are pretty established players around them. So, that you know, that takes a little bit of time unless you're really cocky. And unless you've got a cocky halfback, mate, as well. That always helped me. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, and the two of us between us, we knew they couldn't uh, couldn't come and clip us across the lip, the both of us, you know. So we just sort of took it in turns, yapping at these big forwards. But uh, no, I, th- I think he's, he's gone well, Fergus Burke, and I don't think he's trying too hard to to be a, a Ricky Monger, which I think is important. I think he's just being himself, and I think he's being encouraged to do that. So, you know, kicking his goals and doing doing, doing things cleanly and tidily, and I think a great example of that in. Crusaders colours as he was in all black colours is also Dan Carter who didn't try to do something extraordinary even though he could every time he touched the ball just you know was really priding himself on um, just being very very clean and accurate with everything he did so no I think I think Fergus Burke's going well and I think he's got a good sort of a demeanour about him it's just a good feel to him they've got the Blues arriving into town this weekend um, which will present a challenge obviously there'll be some form of a response after being beaten in Christchurch, which hardly ever happens. In fact, I saw a unicorn on the field. Um, so, <laughs> what, what what have you made of the Blues? Are they capable of coming down and upsetting the Crusaders in Christchurch? Yeah, absolutely they are. I think they're a little bit like the Crusaders as well, in, in that they've looked a million bucks, you know, a lot of the time without necessarily getting the points to reflect that. I think they've They've got much, you know, many more points in them. The Blues, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be a bit nervous about that if, if I had money on the Crusaders this weekend. I think, you know, it's rare that they lose two, two in a row at home. But um, the Blues, I think, will be full of confidence and um, giving it a good go. You know, they could have scored a bit more the other day uh, against the Highlanders, probably. And they've just got just talent throughout it. And I think they'll be really, really focused on this game and really up to it. So. Yeah, I think it's shaping up as a cracker. I'm sure you're all happy to get it out of the way on the Saturday night, Marshy, and have a relaxing Sunday. Get out and lay some, some of your beer down the Wakatipu Lager or whatever you're getting out of the lake down there and stuff, mate. So it gives you a, a bit of a great Sunday, which is probably nice. I've, I've been reliably informed that it's the last time the Blues beat the Crusaders in Christchurch. Benji was in the team. So uh, if, if league converts are anything to go by, if Roger Tuivasa-Shek is fit, it's, uh, it's Blues time, isn't it? Is that how it works? It wasn't that... So it wasn't that one where Carlos gave the Marshall family the bird up in the stand. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do, I see. There's a documentary that you've been in, uh, interviewed for actually about Carlos coming on Sky Sports soon, Mertz. Uh, it's interesting because a, a guy who's a very good friend of mine, who's a big fan of yours, used to uh, all the time in the '90s when I worked with him refer to the Auckland rugby team as Carlos and the hairdressers. <laughs> I couldn't say much about hairdressing at all. I, I wanted to stay right out of that subject entirely, so I couldn't comment. But uh, yeah, that was a, that was a fun hour. I love being called up to say, "Can you come and talk about another fly half that played at the same time as you?" Everyone <laughs> calls the king. Good exercise and biting my tongue for an hour. <laughs> I probably should do it more often. <laughs> Where's my doco? Where's my doco? Ah, oh, mate, Mertz. Thanks very much for coming on. Legend as always. My uh, probably my. You talked about uh, flipping the bird to the Marshall family up in the stands. My favourite. Uh, I think uh, my memory of you uh, running around in a Canterbury jersey is when you gave the Mary Vale salute to a bunch of South Africans. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's uh, uh, probably my proudest moment now. It was fairly, fairly ignominious at the time, and I got that over the knuckles by the rugby union. But 
It's about the only shot on, uh, on you'll ever find on YouTube of me sort of showing some sort of a connection, so I'm pretty proud of it. <laughs> good stuff, Mertz. Go well, brother. Thanks very much for your time. Cheers, Cheers guys. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, good to, to, good to talk to him. There you go. That is in the red here on SENZ. Good stuff, Marshy. Uh, another one done and dusted. And how, how confident are you feeling ahead of the uh, Blues game this weekend? Oh, look, like I said to Mertz, and we've been in that position before, there'll definitely be a response from the Crusaders. Uh, Scott Robertson, um, he was pretty pissed off after the game, to be perfectly honest. Uh, He doesn't suffer many losses, and uh, he will be looking to make amends and put in a performance, you know, first home game of the year getting beaten. Uh, He'll know the quality that the Blues bring, and he'll also know that Leon McDonald knows a bit of the mojo as well. So it's well set up. It's going to be a bouncer of a game. Um, I I'm looking forward to it. I think if we get that quality like we got um, between the Crusaders and the Chiefs, we'll be well entertained. But the Crusaders, I think, will sneak home. But they're going to have to be at their very best to do that. Yeah, indeed they will. Indeed they will. All right, mate. Hey, listen, I look forward to talking to you again on Sunday on the rugby run from 1 o'clock. Yeah, I look forward to that too, mate. Um, And uh, it's great to see that it must be really nice and hot up there because both you and Ala are running the... uh, the guns out singlet. <laughs> That's wow. Yeah, mate. I tell you, sun's out, guns out in Auckland, mate. Uh, Ala Al, Al pulls it off way better than I do, though. Just quietly, <laughs> just quietly. It's not even that quiet, really, is it, Marshy? Uh, good stuff, mate. Go well. Catch up with you soon. Thanks, everyone. Cheers for listening. Cheers. Uh, that has been in the red here on SENZ. When we come back, it is Pacific Flair with Peter Alatini.